Hello and welcome to the Cabot Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Maddie, and I use they them pronouns. And I'm your other host, Carter, and I also use they them pronouns. And this week we have our special guest, Ari, back with us to finish out Allie Finkel's Rules for Girls Moving Day. Hi, yeah, I love the book so much I didn't want to stop talking about it, so I'm back. Well, we're so happy to have you back. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, with our typical guests, we um, don't ask them to do multiple episodes for the whole book. But Ari is, one, a gift, and two, wonderful, and three, amazing. Um, I'm going to read Ari's bio again for anyone who forgot about who Ari is between the last episode and this episode. I know it was... So long since your ears heard it. Okay, so Ari is a writer, editor for Wizards in Space, and pasta enthusiast from Providence, Rhode Island. They're especially passionate about diverse stories in the YA and middle grade space, fiction podcasts, and certain trashy reality shows. Survivor. When (laughs) Ari is not writing about queer kids, they're either experimenting in the kitchen or hiding in the woods somewhere. Welcome back, Ari. It's so great to be back. Ari, when are you going to make a Survivor podcast? Oh, don't even tempt me. I don't want to go there. I can't. (laughs) My question is when you're going to make, when you're going to publish a book for us to read and talk about on this podcast. Wow. I'm working on it. I'm trying. Okay, cool. We love to hear it. Go talk to all the agents. Okay, I'll go and I'll just go out, be like, hey, hey, friends, um, publish this book. (laughs) <laughs> exactly they're I'm all sure. really good books i can't wait like ari is the best writer ever wow thank you the moment they publish a book is the moment where this stops becoming a med cabot podcast and starts becoming an ari Kuntz podcast <gasps> that's my dream you know honestly i think it would be really fun to um have a podcast where i just talk about my friend's books <laughs> i love that and nothing else <laughs> it's ideal <laughs> And then I can interview them because they're my friends. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yep. I can't wait for this podcast. Okay, Ari, like, you know, thank you for coming back. Uh, is there a reason that you wanted to come back specifically for this book? Uh, specifically, I just think that y'all are a great podcast, but also I'm really enjoying this book, and I feel like last time we had a lot of cliffhangers that we left off on, and so, of course, I needed to know what happened, and then I need to express my thoughts and feelings about it so it just felt right to complete the journey yeah we needed to hear you talk about the cat oh yeah the cat Mm -hmm. i have a lot of feelings so i'm very excited to talk about the cat in just a second but first let's talk about what happened in the last section of the book so we read about ali finkel who is a fourth grader who's going through a lot for one thing her family is moving out of a great home and into a creepy and probably haunted victorian fixer-upper And moving means a lot of different things, like changing schools and making all new friends. But, like, her old friends weren't particularly good, so, eh. But to top it off, her mom won't let her keep her geode collection when they move to a new house. Allie copes with all the chaos in her life by writing down rules in a notebook, and this book is all about those rules that she learns. Cool. We'd love to hear it. I want to talk about the cat! (laughs) Yeah! So we had a major cliffhanger at the end of last episode. I want to talk about the cat. I want to talk about the cat. I want to talk about the cat. (laughs) I always want to talk about cats. Same. So what happened to the cat? An update from the last episode. My roommate just got a cat. So like this is, um, this has been Carter's cat update in my own life. Um, Thank you all for coming. The cat's name is Jenny. She's a kitten. She's very cute. She's very scared of me, but that's okay. I'm big and scary. I love her anyway. Thank you. I love Carter's cat corner. <laughs> so good. I love that cat. 10 out of 10 cat, cat would recommend. Mm-hmm. What a precious kitty. I got to see a cat yesterday, and it was like the most important moment of my entire summer. That's all. I love cats. That would pretty much do it in quarantine. Like, little things. It's the little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I want a cat. Get a cat. Our new roommate is allergic. We can't. I, I say that. You're very allergic to cats, and you definitely live with the cat. Um, Your point? <laughs> mm. 
Anyway, at the end of last episode, we were talking about how Allie had just accidentally let Brittany's mom's cat out of the house. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was scary. Was a very stressful time. Yeah. Oh, no. What happens to the cat? Allie's very worried, as she should be. Yeah, and then she kind of gets in trouble because obviously there's these other girls at the house that are saying that it was her fault because she opened the door, even though she didn't know that the door was going to lead out to the, the street with the garage. And so I think the rule for that section is something like you have to tell the truth and own up to your mistakes, even when it's not totally your fault. So that's just a pretty crummy feeling. And I've definitely felt that way before, especially as a kid, when you do something and you didn't mean to, but everyone's upset at you and it just feels terrible. Yeah, I mean, that guilt, like, can eat you alive. I personally, like, as a kid, um, used to not be able to, like, lie about anything. It would, like, the guilt of it would sit with me and sit inside of me and I'd have to tell someone. Oh, yeah, I definitely relate to that then and, like, even now, honestly. And I think that's kind of what happens here, too, because when she's getting ready to leave because her mom comes to pick her up and everyone's upset and Allie ends up confessing to Brittany's mom and saying, well, the reason that the cat got out is because her daughter was playing this lady executive, whatever it was, game with the cat and putting her in a suitcase. And Brittany's mom is obviously very upset. And like, I think the last scene that we get as as Allie's driving away is Brittany's mom going like and yelling at her. <laughs> Which, I felt bad for Brittany, but also that's what you get when you put your cat in a suitcase. I wanted to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. Like, how do you bring that up? And how do you, like, when, you, when you're talking to a kid, how do you tell them, no, you can't abuse animals? Like, what kind of conversation is that? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Like, it feels innate that we should know that you shouldn't, but, like, also... It's something that that kid had to be taught. So therefore, how do you have that conversation? It's just something that I've been sitting with and wondering how that conversation went down. Again, I wanted to see that, but obviously we didn't get to. So, Yeah, and I think we learn that Britney's punishment is like no TV for a week or something like that. I think they take away the karaoke machine too, which ah, is yeah. a big blow there. Of course, the karaoke machine. Mm-hmm. My thought was that was like a really chill punishment for that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that like is it was pretty bad thing she did. Maybe we just had stricter parents. <laughs> yeah, fair. I think it's interesting what it says about Allie, the fact that she told on Brittany, um, because it did like give this sense that Allie does have like a very like strong sense of justice regarding animals and regarding like everything around them and especially it just I think it really shows Allie's character and I think that's going to become more apparent in this section I think I know we read the book um (laughs) but it kind of like intros to that even though okay the first section of the book intro to that but this section also like really displays it I think more just more of who Allie is and I think that's a really interesting way to introduce this character as like the first book in this series yeah definitely her strong sense of justice especially when it comes to animals is a huge part of her character which I think is really cool Mm -hmm. she's gonna be the best veterinarian the world's best veterinarian until she finds out she has to put down the the animals i think that's when it's gonna go downhill it's gonna be rough talk about that (laughs) the cats will live forever this is a children's book animals don't die Mm -hmm. so a funny related topic uh my partner used to um want to be a veterinarian until he found out that you had to give animals shots. It wasn't putting them down. It was giving the animals the shots itself. <laughs> Which oh, I think no. is very funny. <laughs> I mean, that would be very stressful t- to have to stab an animal. Yeah, oh, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't sound fun. I barely like giving myself a shot. Yeah, that is that is how testosterone works. Yeah. Luckily, there is gel if your True. insurance covers it. I feel like I've gotten used to the shot enough that it's not, it's not a thing. Anyway, 
valid. Um, anyway, besides testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> Off topic. Anyway, don't fear. The cat does come back. She shows up at the beginning of the next chapter. Also, the cat storyline in general made me think about my own kitty, Oreo. I love her with all of my heart. And so she loves going outside. Like, she will beg you to go outside. She'll meow and, like, sit right at the door and really wants to go outside. But the moment you let her out, she'll just, like, take about two steps out and then flop down and roll around a bit. She doesn't want to go anywhere. She just wants to, like, eat the grass a bit. That is 100% what my cat does as well. Like, she wants to go outside so bad, but when she gets outside, she totally freaks out. She's like, I don't know what to do with this much freedom. It doesn't make sense. Like, what am I supposed to do? What is this open air thing? And so she, like, freezes up and maybe runs under a car or something. Yeah. And one time my parents accidentally let her out without realizing it. And then they opened the door like 45 minutes later. And she was just sitting there on the front step like, are you going to let me in? Aww. Aww. I, I'm i yeah. with Oreo. Like, if I go outside, I too just flop in the grass and don't know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's me when I go to the park. I just flop down because I don't know where to go in the park. What's my goal? Where am I going? <laughs> flop down in the grass, I guess. <laughs> You're like, all right, outside obtained. Now lay in sunbeam. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'm a cat. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, so the aftermath of the whole cat situation uh, leaves Allie in a bit of a pickle, which I don't know why, but I just love the sentence in a bit of a pickle. Beside the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> bit of a pickle. Yeah, Allie's just in a bit of a pickle. It's um, because you love pickles. Yeah, it's true. I do love pickles. Um, <laughs> so Allie faces some trouble with Brittany and Mary Kay now becoming best friends, um, leaving Allie behind, but not only leaving Allie behind, leaving Courtney behind. So Courtney's like, Allie, you'll be my best friend now, which honestly I think it could have just led to more drama. I was really happy it didn't, but like... Brittany and Mary Kay start creating drama with Allie. They do, yeah. They aren't just like, oh, we're going to be best friends now. They're uniting in being very mean to Allie. It starts with like a very like relatively silly name calling. They call her Allie Stinkle, which like hurts. Like when you're a kid, that hurts. But also as an adult is really funny. You gotta admire the creativity there. Truly. Honestly, I'm kind of I'm kind of impressed with that nickname. Like great good mind. Great work. <laughs> creativity, really. Yeah. You gotta channel your creativity into something better, but I admire it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. kids when I was a kid didn't like make fun of my name in any way, which I have a formal complaint. Like, I don't know, Powell has some like I, I think you could do something with that. I think people saw Ironfield and they were like, oh, too powerful. We can't do it. We can't touch that one. (laughs) I don't think I ever had any nicknames because I was just the kid who would sit by myself on the playground and read and nobody cared. Oh, no. And you know, how are you not still that kid? Just a little bit. (laughs) No, that's very true. That is me. That's true. I love it. Thanks. So Mary Kay actually told Brittany about Allie's Book of Rules, which we learned at the beginning is a bit of a secret, but I don't think it, like, was brought up up until this point, like, that it was, like, a secret secret. Um, So I thought it was a little interesting that when Brittany brought it up, Allie took so much offense to it. Yeah, I mean, I think I get it because it is obviously a very personal thing for Allie, and we see throughout this that she's sort of using it to navigate Um, social cues and things that people don't necessarily tell her outright that she has to figure out for herself and I think it it probably would be very embarrassing to have something like that exposed because then maybe you feel like oh no people are gonna see that I don't know how things work or whatever and I would hate that. Yeah it was really hard for me personally to read these things kind of directly being used against Allie in that way. It also reminded me a lot of the conversation we had last episode about how autistic-coded that Allie is, because that experience of struggling to figure out social cues and then having that turned against you and being made fun of that is very in line with that experience. 
Yeah, I think that you're right about that, um, especially about, like, being called out for not knowing social cues. I think it's a lack of understanding for Allie and a lack of understanding from her classmates. No one is being particularly compassionate with her um, about the situation. I wonder how much Allie brings it up with her family about her rule book because if it's that much of a secret within her friends and within her school, how much does Allie talk about it at home? Is this something Allie keeps to herself and something that she doesn't share? Or is this something that like her family and her parents know about? I believe reading it, I think that I think there's a part in the beginning maybe where she says she has to hide it under her bed or something. And I yeah. just get the feeling that she would not ever tell her family, especially not her brothers, um, probably not her parents either, because she might see it as something that they wouldn't understand or they would look down on her for. And also it is, she frames it as literally rules for girls. And so I don't think that applies to anyone else in her family. So she probably would keep it to herself. That's true. That's true. Um, I agree. Yeah, she hides it. Not to jump to the end of the book, but she rehides it under her bed. Um, she does, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the last scenes. So, can we talk for a second about how um, white these neighborhood names are? They might yeah. be the whitest oh neighborhoods God. I've ever heard of. Um, every time I read them, there was a little part of me that was like, this is the whitest suburban bullshit I've ever heard. <laughs> Like Walnut Knolls and Pine Hills. I just... All right, where do we think that this book takes place? Because I'm picturing, like, the suburbs of Florida. Oh, I was picturing, like, New England. Okay. I think at some point Allie mentions Publix. Okay, that could be. That could be. I wonder where it does take place. Yeah. It, but wherever it is, it's a very white suburb. Yeah, I mean, I think we've already talked a bit about the um, some problematic aspects here, and there's clearly a lack of diversity, at least on the page. Um, I don't think we've ever heard mention of any students or people around that are not white, so. Yeah, um, Meg Cabot has um, just a history and a past of not having particularly um, diverse characters in her stories or diverse experiences or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think possibly that might be part of like why she as an author is so popular is that it is the kind of book that can be sold as like, oh, this is a universal experience, like, oh, this can be read by anyone because, you know, it's just a very basic, quote unquote, white experience that the market assumes applies to like all kids when that's not actually true at all yeah yeah I wonder how reading this book um from the perspective of perhaps someone who didn't grow up in a white upper middle class like background would be just because I think that like the whole concept of like moving across town to be live in a place that's like a fixer-upper like imagine reading that as a kid who like you share your bedroom with your sibling or something along those lines it's it's just a different experience than what they go through yeah absolutely the concept that they like get to choose how to redo their rooms like that's a lot in itself yeah no it really is like the financial aspect to moving into a house like that and be like oh yeah my parents are just redoing this house they're just gonna flip this house is not an experience that many people actually have. It presents a lot of like socioeconomic disparities between what I think is what the presumed reader would experience. So speaking of the house they move into, they celebrate that move by going to a dinner with their uncle Jay, who I love. He's great. He's very fun. I want to be uncle Jay when I grow up. I don't mean to be, like, sound obsessive, but, like, this man is everything I want to be. There's a line on page 147 by Allie's mother that's like, I'm going to murder your Uncle Jay, and I am not going to need a zombie hand to do it either. And I honestly laughed out loud from that. I was, like, dying laughing. Um, It just, 
chef's kisses. Like, <laughs> Jay is a perfect character. He's so much fun. He's like the cool uncle. He's like, oh yeah, I'll let you eat Hot Pockets. Me as an uncle. Ali repeatedly mentions that his apartment is very messy. And at some point, she's when she's like, I should run away and live with Uncle Jay. She's like, I don't think he'd even notice if I adopted a cat. His apartment's so messy. <laughs> Yeah. Do we know actually how old Uncle Jay is? Is he like in grad school or something? Because that seems like about the age that I was picturing. Yeah, I think that's how they mention it is like just out of college, like roughly our age. Mm -hmm. Which is so interesting to see from like a kid's perspective, because if I was Allie's age and I had this uncle, I would probably, yeah, think he's like super cool and super adult and mature. But then when I'm reading it now, I'm like, man, this this person is probably like around my age. And that's just so wild to picture like being an uncle. I don't know. The thing is, the things he does, I'm like, yeah, that sounds my age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's fair. Ah, uh, Hot Pockets in horror movies. At this um celebratory dinner that they go out to, things get pretty wild. Heck yeah, they do. Allie steals a turtle. Allie just steals a turtle. So it's mentioned in the previous chapter that there is a turtle neck soup. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just turtle soup. Just turtle soup. soup. Yeah. Oh, okay. Turtle soup on the menu. And Allie wants to free the turtle at the front because Allie doesn't want the turtle to be eaten. This sound fourth grader logic. Which, honestly, proud of Allie. Allie's doing the right thing. I mean, if, if. Listen. <laughs> I get she's in line with her morals, which I respect her for. But the turtle has a happy home there. It's not going to get eaten. Are you sure about that? I'm the pretty positive. I mean, See, I'm not convinced. She says that the turtle's been there for years, and so she assumes that nobody in years has ever ordered the turtle soup. So, it seems kind of like a permanent pet to me. I mean, yeah, but I also would want a pet turtle, so I think I too would free the turtle under the same logic, but refuse to see the other side of this. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I think what's interesting about the turtle theft in general is that... <laughs> <laughs> is that... It's not just that she sees the turtle and thinks like, oh, I need to free this turtle because she's had this thought before many times that she thinks the turtle's going to get eaten. But it is kind of a culmination about all of these confusing feelings and emotions that she has about moving and that she is upset at this point because the celebratory dinner is signifying that like her efforts to foil this moving plan have failed and we talked about the rocks last time that she set up these rocks on a shelf or something and they did not in fact kill the realtor and so she's pretty upset about that and so it's just kind of one of those things where in the moment she is so upset and she doesn't know how to cope with all of this and so she does the one thing she feels she can do it's like it's like, I just can't take this anymore. I got to do something. So I got to let this turtle free, which feels very age appropriate. Definitely. As yeah. Olaf says, controlling the things you can control when you feel out of control. Thank you, Frozen 2. Thank you, Olaf. <laughs> <laughs> wise words from a wise snowman. <laughs> yeah, no, Allie feels very powerless through this entire book. And this really is her trying to feel like she's in control of something and also she connects to that turtle she thinks that that turtle has no control over its own life and she wants to help it which i think really circles back to how interesting this book focusing on the move itself rather than the aftermath of a move is like it really resonates with the idea that it's about the control that Allie's losing Definitely. over her own life and her own agency yeah. it's all a metaphor i love that <laughs> so y'all what happens to the turtle you... when Allie steals it what's the fate of this turtle um so Allie goes and hides in uncle jay's car and then uncle jay's like hey i'll keep the turtle and then the turtle lives in a bathtub which i have questions about the turtle living in a bathtub also the fact that uncle jay can afford a second bathroom and a second room without anyone else living there at his age <laughs> yeah. not happening he's but like this is just the, point, the turtle's room now <laughs> yeah i i 
personally can't do that. But like Uncle Jay, I don't, I don't know. I just, I find it, I find the most unrealistic thing in this story is the fact Uncle Jay can afford a two bedroom apartment (laughs) alone. I just thought, you know, I do love Uncle Jay as much as everyone else, but this is the point where I thought, you know what, what this man should have done, he can say, oh yeah, Ali, I'm going to save this turtle, I'm going to like take it back to my apartment, whatever, but he should go and give it back to the restaurant and just like buy another turtle or something or tell, tell Ali when she comes over that the turtle is somewhere else, I don't know, but I feel like as a mature adult, he probably maybe should not have just gone along with this and just said, oh, yeah, like, well, I can't do anything about it, so we're just going to steal this turtle. And now this restaurant's just out a turtle. Yeah, and I think the parents had to pay, like, a lot of money for the turtle. Yeah. So Uncle Jay kind of messed this one up. I don't know. Listen, you say mature adult, but Uncle Jay is not a mature adult. Listen, I would have done the same thing as Uncle Jay, which I think is why I'm defending him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uncle Jay's like, you know what? Money's no object for this family. They they just bought a new house. <laughs> um, I guess that's a fair point. Uh, I do have a turtle theft story. Would you like to hear my turtle theft story? Yes. Yes. Um, Please tell us about how you stole a turtle. I didn't steal a turtle. I had nothing to do with this theft. Uh Uh-huh, sure. So in my hometown, there was a turtle that lived at the library for like 14 years and someone just stole the turtle one night. And like, no one ever found who stole the turtle. I can confirm the library was not going to make turtle soup. No, it wasn't. I don't think the person stole the turtle to free it. Actually, this is a very sad story. Why am I telling this on this podcast? I worry about that turtle. It's okay. You know, you know, you might know too much about this turtle theft. Are you sure you didn't take it? I'm positive. There's even like a picture. Oh, is there? Yeah, there's a picture of the man. Who stole the turtle? Yeah, and no one, His the turtle's name is Franklin. I loved him. He was stolen in 2014 and still no one knows who stole the turtle. But I'm looking at the sur- like the surveillance camera footage right now of the man and they never identified him. Um, Maddie, you're my first suspect on, um, the Turtle Theft podcast, um, where we will be uncovering (laughs) who stole the turtle in Fall River, Massachusetts. Welcome to Serial Season (laughs) 2. What a wild twist that would have been if one of the hosts of Serial was the, like, was the the suspect. Honestly, though, (laughs) that would have been funny. (laughs) not funny that would have been interesting it would have made like an extra twist in the podcast like to have that kind of personal connection too meta also would make all content on it absolutely unreliable and biased but beside the point (laughs) (laughs) so that was my sad turtle theft story moving on uh what happens next Oh, so speaking of the turtle theft, Jay's girlfriend Harmony then interviews Allie about her turtle deeds and her th- turtle choices. Yeah, <laughs> and that that article that she writes about it gets put on the front page of the town's newspaper. Yeah, I just love this because it's such a wild sequence of events that is very, like, middle grade, very, like, you would think of this as a kid and be like, oh, maybe, you know, like, if I save this turtle, maybe they'd write something about it in the newspaper. But I don't know that this would actually ever happen because you have this college student, I don't know if she's a grad student or undergrad or whatever, but who goes to this nine-year-old and says, I would like to hear this story about you stealing a turtle from a restaurant and I'm going to take this interview for my very professional journalism class and my professor is going to take it to the local newspaper and everyone's going to hear about uh, this junior activist for (laughs) turtle rights. I love how ridiculous it is and I love that this most likely would never actually happen but it provides a way for the story to move forward. See I disagree Um, As someone who used to be a journalism student, I know that there were lots of opportunities in which, like, things could get published in, like, real newspapers. And particularly in features, like, when it's focused on, like, an individual, children are something that 
people want to read about and people want to hear about. There is something, I think, innate within humans that make children more interesting or like when a child does something, it makes it more endearing, that kind of concept. So the fact that she like she writes about it and it gets published seems reasonable to me. <laughs> I guess. I do think that they would have at least asked permission from her parents or something. Or, like, the way that it yeah. happens in this is that it's kind of a surprise that we'll talk about what happens when she goes to school, but Allie doesn't initially know that she's in the paper until people tell her, having read the article already. And I think if it were in real life, probably they would have known that she was going to get published. Realistically, Harmony would have had to ask Allie's parents to interview her and to take her picture. Who needs realism? Also, my guess is she would have interviewed her parents, too, for the article. (laughs) Also, another highlight from that whole scene was that um, this happens while Allie is, like, in the backyard. She's throwing out all of her rocks, her geodes, that her mom said she can't take to the new house. So she's initially very sad, and then this reporter is coming along and asking her what she's doing. (laughs) And there was a quote that I thought was really funny where it's... um, I showed Harmony some of my best geodes, and when she admired how sparkly they were, I said she could keep one of them. But she said, unfortunately, it wouldn't fit in her purse. Which is just like, oh yeah, sorry, this this one rock, sorry, it won't it won't fit. I would definitely take it otherwise. <laughs> I say, I okay, my cousin used to offer me things like that, and I used to say the same thing, like I don't I don't have a bag with me, I can't take it with me, or I don't have any room in my pockets, like, things like that, because you don't want to tell a child, like, no, I don't want to take this because I don't want it. You tell it, <laughs> you take it from the child, or you tell them a very weird excuse as to why you can't. Just take yeah. it and then get rid of it later. Yeah, just take one rock, Harmony. It's not a big deal. These are Allie's best rocks. It's a privilege. True. I want Allie to offer me a rock. Which Allie should have been able to keep those rocks, and I will stand by that. Oh, yeah. I'm very mad about this. Like, why can't Allie keep her rocks? Give me a reason. Let I need her one. have joy. Yeah, like, she could have a really cool rock collection. You might be you might be raising a future geologist. And actually, I... So I, kept, I collected rocks as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I had them, like, organized into different containers, which might be the most Virgo thing I've ever done in my whole life, my Virgo moon and rising or yelling. Um, <laughs> and I, like, labeled them and researched what they were. And, like, that was an introduction into, like, what geology was and, like, how rocks are formed and things like that. And I learned a lot from them. But I recently gave most of them to my cousin except one of them which I kept and like it sits on a shelf in my room like I have like a jar actually I have a whole jar full of them just rocks that I found or bought and things like that when I was a kid yeah that's awesome and like to your point she will probably eventually get rid of some of these rocks but like what's the harm of having her just like keep them she has this thing she's passionate about let kids explore their interests us really upset about Allie not being able to keep her rocks. <laughs> what can we say? This podcast rocks. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be here um, until in uh, like 20 minutes from now. <laughs> <laughs> so before Ari briefly mentioned what happens when Allie shows up to school and that's when she finds out about this article that was written about her. I thought that was really interesting because it was a direct parallel to the scene in The Princess Diaries where Mia shows up to school and everyone's treating her differently. And she finds out it's because the paper published something about how she's a princess. Yeah, actually, that was like a really interesting parallel considering like this book has a whole lot of parallels to Mia, which is also interesting thinking about uh, what Meg said in her interview, how she wrote this book for the younger siblings of people who loved the Princess Diaries because Ali becomes famous. It's like rather than, you know, a whole paparazzi at her school, though, it's like her friends suddenly acting different or former friends, I suppose. It's just like a really new thing for Ali. Yeah, it's very very over the top and Allie is pretty much totally uninterested in it which I thought was interesting like she doesn't care that people are treating her like she's famous or whatever she's actually kind of annoyed by it I think and annoyed by how fake everybody is being to her so she's not really impressed when her old friends are asking her to sit with them at lunch and like talking about how much they're gonna miss her and it's very different from the bittersweet 
goodbye scene that I was picturing because in the times that I've had to move schools or go to different different places and I have to say goodbye it's like even if I don't like these people I'm gonna be emotional about it but Allie is just like nope I'm good like it's fine I'm ready to go (laughs) okay but Allie gets to live my childhood dream of being in a food fight I was in like a made food fight once um as in like I was in like a youth group that like went outside and was a bunch of food was set in front of us and we got to have a food fight which was very cool but like I didn't get to be in a real food fight and I have a formal complaint that I went my whole childhood without one so I'm happy that Allie got to be in one and got to start it yeah she's a leader that was a pretty iconic moment so after Allie leaves school on um, a not so great note um She moves into her new house, and it isn't as bad as she had thought. Like, they renovated some of it, so it didn't look as scary. Her brother did not get velvet pirate wallpaper, formal complaint that that didn't happen. We would have loved to see it. Sad it didn't. But her room got redone to something that she loved. Um, And she got a window seat, which I love. I always wanted one of those. Did anyone else? Yeah. Just like a little reading space in my room. Yeah, that's the dream. Sitting there looking out on the leaves and reading a book on like a nice fall day. This tells me a lot, I think, about Allie and her family's socioeconomic status and like how this isn't quite as relatable as publishers might make it out to be, as we talked about before, especially as we're going through this house. Yeah, it's a pretty fancy house. It really is. And it's like, I do remember, like, dreaming when I was young about, like, my family getting a house and redoing it and having all these cool things. But she's just like, oh, yeah, this is nice. Which, as a child, you wouldn't recognize and figure out. But as an adult who published this with the intention of it being a general, every relate to everyone middle grade book... It's not relate to everyone, and I think it's something that publishers, I think, are more aware of nowadays with diversity and things like that, but, like, even now, it's something we need to recognize. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is a very happy ending to the book because Allie ends up loving this new home that she thought throughout the entire book that she'd hate, and she also gets her kitten. Well, she gets news yeah. that she's going to get the kitten, yeah, yeah. which is exciting because it ties back to what we were talking about earlier because actually we find out that the show cat that got out while she was out she did some frolicking and is now pregnant and that Allie's going to get to pick out one of the cats for her very own so that's very exciting which honestly I love that I love that twist to the story that the cat gets out gets pregnant and Allie ends up getting one of the cats that the uh, show cat's gonna have it's great I'm so happy for her It really rounded out the story for me. I just really enjoyed it. I think this is something that I really wanted to mention. Between this and The Princess Diaries ending, I loved the ending of this so much more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, The ending of The Princess Diaries just didn't make sense. The ending of this made sense. Agreed. Also, I want to point out that also at the end of the book, she made a full list of all the rules Allie made in the book. That you could go through. Yeah, that was very nice to kind of bring it all together and see what exactly Allie is writing down. You get a chance to reflect back and look at what brought on each of the rules and what brought this to this ending point and what brought everything together. And, you know, the same concept of, like, I love a good book with a map in it. Um, I love a good book with, like, additional content um, of some form. And so, I don't know. I love this. Agreed. It was a very fun way to end the book. Another fun thing, I went to AllieFinkelRules.com, which is listed at the end of the book that, like, you can do, like, dress-up games and, like, hang out with Allie and, like, see if Allie likes you, things like that. I think that was literally listed. You can <laughs> see, if, see Allie if Allie likes, likes you. you. Oh, no. I want to be judged by Allie Finkel. <laughs> Me too. But the website is closed down. I was so oh. upset. I was I was going to have that be a thing we do. Like we all go to the website, see if Allie likes us. And <laughs> That's so sad. I hope someone somewhere has archived this website because I desperately want to know if Allie likes me. I want to play flash games. I want to like, play dress up. I hope, yeah. I hope they have cat based games. Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure I also had like cat pictures and things like that. Scholastic, get on it. 
Where's our Where's AllieFinkleRules.com? Where's AllieFinkleRules2.com? <laughs> yeah. So, final thoughts on the book. I really loved it. I thought that Allie was a really great character and that her, like, struggle to adapt to all the changes in her life were really, like, it was authentic and it was a, a look that we don't, like, it was a look into a situation that we don't always get children's media about. Yeah, I just thought it was so fun to read, um, so refreshing and, like, different from what I have been reading with young adult, and I am really amazed at Meg Cabot's ability to capture the voice of a kid in mm-hmm. a way that is really hard to do, especially when you're an adult and when you have kids, maybe that helps a little bit. Um, I don't know if Meg Cabot has kids, but just in general, it's really hard to tap into that perspective again, and I just think she did it amazingly, and everything in this book is just so funny and so real to Allie's feelings and Allie as a character and it was just delightful yeah Metcalf is just so good at voice I agree I think that it was a really good introduction for us into another genre um not genre I suppose another category for Meg Cabot um from the Princess Diaries into a middle grade book that um I would argue is less well known than the Princess Diaries in fact that argument is pretty sound um (laughs) (laughs) but I think what Ari said hit it on the head though Meg is very good at capturing the voice of a child she's very good at capturing the voice of a teen um we are going to at some point read um an adult book by Meg Cabot like one of her real grown-up books i'm really excited for that too because she crosses all of these age groups which means she has the voice for all of them and i think that'll be really interesting yeah and i think it's really interesting too because people do look at like adult lit as quote-unquote real books and seeing that she's made her living writing books for a younger audience i'm so interested to see what she does with books for an older audience also on that topic, I was at the Strand yesterday and picked up one of her books, um, and it's actually a comic book. It's like a graphic novel, and um, that I'm really excited for that one, too. Oh, that's cool. That's very exciting. Also, I'm jealous that you can just, like, go to the Strand. <laughs> I waited in line, um, and yeah, <laughs> my partner kind of surprised me with it, so it was good. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. My other final thought is that when entering this book and this concept about um, a book called Allie's Rules for Allie Finkel's Rules for Girls, I expected some sort of sexism to be involved with it. Something, something wasn't going to sit right with me, and I felt that when we were going to go in. But actually, like, gender wasn't really involved into the rules at all. It wasn't about girls. It was just Allie's identifier for herself, which I think was a really interesting way to portray something called Allie's Rules for Girls, you know? Yeah, I agree. But on top of the topic of Allie's Rules for Girls, none of us are girls here. So um, we're going to make Maddie, Carter, and Ari's Rules for Non-Binary Pals. It's true. We have our own rules here. We love to hear it. We love to see it. We love creating lists in this (laughs) (laughs) On this podcast, it's kind of our thing. Um, You thought the list segment was going to be Princess Diary specific, but here we are with more lists for you. And we're making rules this time. So, Maddie, do you want to go first? Yeah. My first rule here is very controversial here in the Maddie Ari part of the podcast recording, is don't discount the power of a good nap. I am a big fan of naps. I think that... When you're feeling rough, when you're maybe a little cranky, taking some time to lay down and take a quick power nap, sleep a bit, get yourself recentered is always a good idea. And that's on self-care. <laughs> exactly. Listen. Now, Ari, give me your anti-nap propaganda. I'm not going to give propaganda. I don't understand naps. I It doesn't work for me, but I respect it for you if it does. I just feel like... Anytime that I try to take a nap, I either can't fall asleep or I wake up an hour later feeling like an absolute zombie and it's just even worse. But I respect that for you. 
That's fair. I also consider a nap, though, not actually falling asleep, just, like, laying in your bed for half an hour, like, zoning out and, like, like laying there and being comfy for a while and being like, all right, I've napped, I've rested, and now I'm going to face the rest of my day. Mm, then that's a rest, not a nap, but okay. I'm personally going to take a nap after this podcast. I've been, as you can hear, yawning all the way through it. (laughs) (laughs) And outtakes, that's just all of Carter's yawns. Yeah, it really is. Like, we've been, and Maddie's going to have to cut out so many of my yawns, and you're leaving that one in, though. (laughs) I am indeed, because it's very relevant to the conversation. (laughs) We're a sleepy podcast here. Ari, you want to go next? Yeah, so my first rule is treat people how they want to be treated not um how you want to be treated because I think we hear the golden rule a lot but I think this one's called the silver rule or the platinum rule or something but I just think that in general in life it's important to be aware of how other people want to be treated and listen to them when they tell you that and respect people's individual needs and wants rather than just assuming that you know how they want to be treated. Yeah, which kind of counters actually one of Allie's rules at the beginning, because I think one of her rules is treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really love that, because I think that treat people how you want to be treated, it's something that we learn when we're young, and expanding that understanding of, like, we don't all want to be treated the same way is really vital in, like, developing your empathy. Mm -hmm. So my first rule for our list is that you should always ask for people's pronouns. I think that as a non-binary pal, it's important to not just assume gender and assume what people want their pronouns to be. And I know this is basic for some of us who might be trans or might exist in this context more than cis people. Um, But it's really important, I think, for people to hear that and for people to understand that. Definitely. Absolutely. And sometimes the best way to go about that is introducing your pronouns first so that you set the standard. True. Just like we do at the beginning of our podcast episodes. Yeah. So, like, when we introduce ourselves with our pronouns, you're welcome to tweet at us your name and your pronoun. We'd love to meet you. We would. Yeah. Say hi. My next rule has been inspired by the conversation we had earlier about Allie and her collection. And the rule is that anything that makes someone happy and is not hurting someone else should be celebrated. And I think specifically in the context of Allie's rock collection, that having something that brought her joy is always a good thing. And that taking something away from someone just because you feel like they're not, like, because it's not the right way for them to be spending their time, that's not going to help them. I was just thinking about this when I was looking at my book collection and how happy I am that I didn't end up giving them all away like I was told to do when I was younger. I love that. Yeah, I think it's important to cultivate interests. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and my other rule is that Bagels and cream cheese can cure just about any illness. I mean, not coronavirus. I'm not a doctor. Please be safe. (laughs) But uh, I just find that whenever I have, like, a bad cold or my stomach hurts or various other uh, low-level malaises, bagel and cream cheese, you'll be better in about a day. Like, trust me on this. Wow. You are absolutely correct. Um, Ari, in fact, has used this has been around me while I've used this advice and it did help it did fix it mm-hmm. incredible you heard it here first I I don't know if there's science behind it other than bagels and cream cheese make me happy and I live in New York so they're readily accessible accessible but like you know <laughs> yeah and that's a very fair thing I think that having things that taste good make a big difference I agree so my last rule is that Um, is something that I think I need to remind myself a lot, especially in quarantine. But leaving the house can and will make you feel better, even when you think it won't. I have a bad habit of, like, locking myself away thinking, you know, I need some rest. Like, I'm not going to go outside today. But the answer is, like, going outside, going for a walk by myself, 
often will make me feel happier and in a better mood than when I don't. So, yeah. I totally get that. That's, I also do the thing where I'm like, oh no, I just need to lay here. I need to rest. And then you get in a cycle and going out and breaking yourself out of that cycle and enjoying the fresh air can be a very good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for that. I'm a person who really loves going on hikes and doing naturey things, but even just a walk around the block can make such a difference in my mental health. Yeah, we love seeing the sun sometimes. It's true. Sometimes. Yeah, listen, it's a little warm outside. Mm. <laughs> if the sun could like hide just a little bit for me, that'd be cool. <laughs> just a few clouds. Just a nice overcast, you know? That would be nice. Anyway, that's it. That's our whole podcast this week and for almost a whole month. Whoops. Listen, y'all, it's been a time. Yeah. So on our next episode, which should be in two weeks, we'll see um, how the mail does with delivering my book. Okay, Carter from the past, I'm going to stop you right there. Um, as you might have heard in the past couple seconds, I was talking about how hot it is. There is now snow on the ground and a little bit of a uh, change in pace. Um, after the new year, we will be reading for the next episode, Black Canary Ignite. It is a book published in 2019 by Meg Cabot. It is a graphic novel, and we're going to be reading it with some fantastic guests that I have lined up. This book will be read all at once, not in multiple parts, so you just have to read the whole book. Really excited for that. Um, and it will be coming out after the new year. Um, we will start back up in probably February with Maddie back on the podcast um, after their brain surgery. And we will go from there, probably with the second Princess Diaries, as we had planned for this. Thank you all for being so patient with us. And now back to the rest of what I was saying. Thank you, Ari, so much for joining us. Thank you yeah. for having me again. Thank you, Ari. You're the best. Oh, Do you want to tell us one more time about Wizards in Space? Yeah, Wizards in Space is a really awesome literary magazine that focus on, focuses on uplifting diverse voices and stories. We accept submissions in all categories and genres. We're not open for submissions right now, but that should be happening soon-ish in the future. I can't say exactly, but things are going to be happening soon, which is really awesome. Um, and you We can love to hear that things are happening. So you could follow us on social media at Wizards in Space Mag. I think there's, it's WZRDS in Space Mag on Twitter and then just regular on Instagram and see what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah. Love Wizards in Space, as I said before. Um, really excited for the next issue whenever it does come out, which I know you can't say when you're accepting submissions or when that date would be, but I'm still excited and yeah, really look forward to it. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, you can follow me at Carter D. Powell on everything. Now I actually have a username that matches. Last time I said it before I actually changed it and it was taken. So, at Carter D. Powell <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at MJ Ironfield on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow our podcast at The Cabot Cast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever the heck else you want us on. Just let me know. I'll just throw it on there. Um... <laughs> Yes, I did ram my elbow into my door during the middle of that. Oh, What's no. up? Ari, where can we find you on social media? Well, besides Wizards in Space, you can find me at Ari October on Twitter. Cool. All right. That's it. Thank you all so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>